movements and shivers down your spine. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul and seal your doom tonight. Your mom's high school. Oh! My mother didn't go to high school. Oh. She worked on the docks. She worked. Yeah, I mean the same thing. The, no, the, the sailors' pole. pole. No, the North Pole. That's why your dad's not around because he's Santa Claus. <laughs> I'm sorry, did that just get too real? Did I hurt you? You I made, don't have a dad. <laughs> you made the joke last time. I feel like we could run with that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, so, uh... Today is Thanksgiving. Yeah, it is. We, and gobble gobble. And you actually... You came to Thanksgiving with me. Wasn't that awesome? Yeah, it was the It shit. wasn't boring, was it? You know, that's the least I can say, is that fa the fa Thanksgiving with the family is... We know how to put on a... Happy face, you know. I mean, you had at least twenty bottles of wine, and <laughs> I had I had maybe five glasses. I mean, the family had twenty. I had bottles maybe of wine. five glasses, and I was driving. And I had ten, and can't <laughs> yeah. drive. Yeah, no, you can't. You're practically handicapped. <laughs> <laughs> I'm handicapable. <laughs> You've always been handicapped. <laughs> That's what you say to all the guys. Okay, so this this podcast is lots of pasta, which I'm starting to like regret naming it that because it's almost not it it fucks it up when you're trying to speak the words. It's fucking stupid. If you ask me, <laughs> you said you liked it. <laughs> I'm your best friend. I would tell you I like anything the, that the I don't. The devil's like. lettuce. That I mean, fucking. I mean, I buy pasta, but the lots of. I mean, come on, it's like you're saying fucking <sighs> locks. Lotka's and bagels. This is lots of pasta, and this is the podcast where we soberly, very soberly Indeed. tell tell creepy pasta stories that we have found on the internet. And we would like to introduce ourselves. We have Straight Edge Frowns McBuhew. Frowns McBuhew. McBuhew today. And uh, we have Dr. Sober as Fuck 420. Oh, Don't get lit. I'm Dr. not drink Death. I'm not drinking and I'm not smoking right now. Preface for lots of pasta is it is better to listen to this if you are not sober. <laughs> Don't be like us. Take the skirts off. Yeah, don't don't do what we're doing, which is definitely not drinking or anything illegal. Absolutely, man. I'm just here sucking on this ice. Finish the sentence. Cold water. <laughs> thank, thank you. Oh. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna start. Fuck yeah. You. So first, first story we have up is Charlie. Shut your fucking mouth. Can you let me fucking read the story? <laughs> it's called Charlie. We are in America. Okay. Charlie. We are recording this on a MacBook, Apple, Big Apple, America. Apple? Apple. Johnny Appleseed? <laughs> Johnny Appleseed. Seed. Seed of doubt. We, doubt? We've lost... 666 Illuminati confirmed. We've lost wake. There's, we've lost too much control. We Do haven't you know even fucking else? started. Do you know what I was doing there? Oh, yeah. Just... <laughs> all right. I'm going to start. Charlie. Die. I hate it when my brother Charlie has to go away. My parents constantly try to explain to me about how sick he is. 
that I am lucky for having a brain where all the chemicals flow properly to their destinations like undammed rivers. When I complain about how bored I am without a little brother to play with, they try to make me feel bad by pointing out his boredom likely far surpasses mine, considering his confined to a dark room in an institution. I always beg for them to give him one last chance. Of course, they did at first. Charlie has been back home for several times, each shorter in duration than the last. Each time without fail, it all starts again. The neighborhood cats with gouged out eyes showing up in his toy chest. My dad's razors found dropped on the baby's slide in the park across the street. My mom's underpants have been replaced by bits of dishwasher tablets. My parents are hesitant now, using last chances sparingly. They say that his disorder makes him charming, makes it easy for him to fake normally, and to track the doctors and trick them and the people who care for him into thinking that he's ready for rehabilitation. That I will just have to put up with my boredom if it means staying safe from him. I hate it when Charlie has to go away. It makes me have to pretend to be good until he is back. You get it, right? Do you get it? He's the bad kid. Yeah. Got it. My story, which I love because uh, one of the episodes of Last Podcast on the Left did this one, and it's like one of four in this fucking list I have, um, covered by the wonderful Henry Zabrowski. This one is called The Bad Dream. Are those the kinds you have when you touch yourself at night? No, those are the good dreams. Daddy, I had a bad dream. You blink your eyes and pull up on your elbows. Your clock glows red in the darkness. It's 3.32. Do you want to climb into bed and tell me about it? No, Daddy. The oddness of the situation wakes you up more fully. You can barely make out your daughter's pale form in the darkness of your room. Why not, sweetie? Because in my dream, when I told you about the dream, the thing wearing mommy's skin sat up. For a moment, you feel paralyzed. You can't take your eyes off your daughter. The covers behind you shift. I just fucking got you! Did I get you? Did I scare you? No. <laughs> I, I just screamed in McBoohoo's face. This next story, y'all, is crying isn't going to help. A lesson we live by. And nine times out of ten, in whatever situation you have that you're crying, it is definitely not going to help. No, I don't think so. There aren't many situations where I would cry to get out of it. And in some cases, you might make it worse. Yeah. Pointed the gun at the sick bastard who killed my wife. He sobbed as he feared for what was to come. I pulled the trigger. If only he spoke and tried to reason with me, then maybe I could have lived. But that was obviously not going to happen. After all, he was born just a few minutes ago. Oh, shit! <laughs> I had read this one when I got it because it's so fucking short. And, um, 
seeing your reaction to the ending really oh. it, like i wish i could have this could have been a video because you reeled after reading oh, that it man, hurts that, that was, twist hurts yeah but dick hurts <laughs> i hope not my story is called hell very simply hell there was no pearly gate the only reason I knew I was in a cave was because I had just passed the entrance. The rock wall rose behind me with no ceiling in sight. I knew this was it. This was what religion talked about. What man feared. I had just entered the gate to hell. I felt the presence of the cave as if it was a living, breathing creature. The stench of rotten flesh overwhelmed me. Then there was this voice, it came from inside and all around. Welcome! Hello! Who are you? I asked, trying to keep my composure. You know, the thing answered. I did not, I did know. I was gonna say, I did not know, because who the fuck are you? I did know. You are the devil, I stuttered, sorry. You're the devil. Quickly losing my composure. Why me? I've lived as good as I could. The silence took over the space as my words died out. It seemed like an hour went by before the response came. What did you expect? The voice was penetrating but patient. I don't know. I never believed any of this. I uttered, is that why I'm here? Silence. I continued, they say the greatest trick you ever pulled was convincing the world you don't exist. No. The greatest trick I ever pulled was convincing the world that there is an alternative. There's no God, I shivered. The cave trembled with the words. I am God. Mama Luigi. That's a good one. Moderately hard. Ooh. Sort of chub. Oh, this one called Licky Licking. It like you lick, 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 why? Did you want to do it? In an Asian accent. Try it. But that's so if racist. If I can't handle it, I'll let you know. A young girl is left out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was too much. I couldn't fucking do it. Uh, you know, we like to be politically correct on this show, ladies and gentlemen. No, it has nothing about politically correctness. It's it's all it's simply all about aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fuck it. A young girl is left home alone with only her dog to protect her. When night approaches, she locks all the doors and tries to lock all the windows. But one won't close. She decides to leave it unlocked and goes to bed. Her dog takes its customary place under her bed. In the deep of the night, she awakens to a dripping sound coming from under the bath. And over the river and through the woods. <laughs> to my grandmother's house we just came from. <laughs> Which is under the bathroom. Shrinking yeah, too, too much egg <laughs> <laughs> The girl is too scared to go check 
so she reaches her hand under the bed. She feels a reassuring lick from her dog. It was actually Grandma. (laughs) (laughs) It falls back to sleep. (laughs) She awakens... She... (laughs) (laughs) Awakens? To to the... Start with she (laughs) reawakens. I take over. <laughs> no, this is my time. <laughs> she 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 reawakens to the dripping sound, reaches her hand down to the dog, where she feels a reassuring lick and falls back to sleep. Once more, she awakens to a dripping sound. She reaches her hand out and feels the lick of her dog. Now, curious about the dripping sound, she gets up and slowly walks towards the bathroom. The dripping sound is getting louder as she approaches. She reaches the bathroom and turns on the light. She's greeted by a horrific sight. Hanging from the shower nozzle is her dog, with its throat slit open and blood dripping into the bathtub. Something on the bathroom mirror catches her eye. She turns around. Written on the bathroom mirror in her dog's blood are the words, Humans can lick too. Ricky Ricky for five dollars. Uh, no, if I couldn't do it, you can't. <laughs> I didn't say you, you couldn't just talk like that. I just said you can't tell the story like uh, that. Well, you know so what? Be, it give, wait, give it a good college go. Ricky Ricky for five dollars. Ten dollars, social boy. Very appropriate. But here's the thing. We like to be politically correct. (laughs) Sit down, folks. If you just started listening, which I hope you wouldn't just skip to this part. Maybe you missed the fuck out. Then, then, yeah, you're missing some good shit. Um, This next story is called Don't Get Out of the Car. (laughs) Just don't. Like, I feel like the title is, like, what I say at a, while I'm watching a horror movie. And if you're trying to get laid, it's called Get Into a Car. And That's if, and if you don't have a car like me, it's get on my bike or let's get into his Uber. Don't get out of the car. I was driving a shortcut from 29 Palms, California to Albuquerque, New Mexico. 29 Palms is located in the desolate high desert of East LA. The shortcut was all two-lane road through total nothingness except for passing through Amboy, California. Amboy is a nearly abandoned town, nearly as far below sea level as Death Valley, with a dormant volcano and lava field on one side and a salt flat on the other. It was also at the time a hotspot for satanic group activity. You know, heard of Amboy before? You don't say. Yeah, Amboy. Yeah, I've heard of it. You, you know, do you know what the neighboring city is? What is it? My boy. My boy. <laughs> My boy. My boy. <laughs> oh, you are a fuck. So, I was driving by myself in the afternoon. I stopped in Amboy and snapped a picture of the city sign just to prove I was there to friends who dared me to take the route that, the route to I-40. I got back in my car and proceeded to drive up into the mountain range between Amboy and I-40. Once I reach the top, I am driving north through a canyon with high grass on both sides of the road. Up ahead, I see some stuff in the middle of the road. As I approach, I slow down to see a red Pontiac Fiero stopped sideways across both lanes, a suitcase open with clothes scattered everywhere and two bodies lying face down in the road, a man and a woman. 
I stop a hundred feet or so away and the hair on the back of my neck is standing up. Being a marine, I reach under the seat and pull out a nine millimeter pistol and chamber around. Something seemed very wrong. It looked too perfect as if it were staged. An ambush? Was I being paranoid? Something was just wrong. Getting out of the car seemed unthinkable. It was the horror movie move. Don't get out of the fucking car. This story should just stop right here. And I drove. And I drove is, on. This story is called "Don't Get Out of the Car." It is. So, what the fuck is he doing? Why are we paying? He's getting out of the car. As I scanned the road, I saw a line I could drive past the guy in the road on his left, swerve to the right side of the woman behind the Fiero, and I'd be on the other side. I dropped into first gear, punched it, and drove the line I planned. I passed the back of the Fiero without hitting it or either of the bodies in the road. I continued forward a couple hundred feet and slowed down so I could breathe and let my heart slow down. As I looked up in the rearview mirror, I saw that the two bodies had gotten up to their knees and 20 or so people emerged from the tall grass on either side of the road by the car and bodies. At that moment, my right foot smashed the gas pedal to the floor and did not let up until I had to slow down for the I-40 East on-ramp. I will never know what would have happened to me had I gotten out of the car to check on the bodies or stopped my car closer to them. Somehow, I do not think it would have been good. Sometimes real life can be scarier than a movie. You know what? I mean, that one wasn't really scary, except for the fact that he got out of the car. He didn't get out of the car. That's the point. No. Subversion. Subversion of trope. Trump. 2016. I said trope! God damn it. Trope or rope? This one's very up my alley. It's called Peace. P-E-A-C-E. Homie. A young boy is sitting in school, not really paying attention. Absent-mindedly, he looks out the window and notices a picture laying on the ground outside the school. After school ends, he goes and picks up the picture and realizes it is a picture of a young girl holding up the two-fingered peace sign. It's also the V sign. Yeah, she wants it. She wants it. She's the most beautiful girl he has ever seen. And he spends an entire evening asking around town if anybody knows her or where he could find her. No one knows. And he goes home disappointed with blue balls. That night, he is suddenly awoken in bed and sees the girl from the picture standing on the other side of the street from his window. He quickly rushes to see the girl but is struck by a car while crossing the street and is killed. The police, the popo, investigators find a picture lying next to his body of a young girl holding up three fingers. And you know, this, uh, here's what I'm gonna say about this story. It kind of goes into what I was saying before, you know, with too many hands. You got too <laughs> many hands, and, and now it's to the point where you can't even fucking hold them. You can't it's even too hold many up fingers. a single fucking finger. And remember, one is the loneliest number. Two buckle my shoe three you got three, the treasure chest com- three's company two and you know what the next one's gonna be four whore get out my door that's a good one all right sorry about that i had to touch myself and when i think about you i touch myself Ooh. all right 
And I'll tell you who doesn't touch himself. The guy in this story. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this one's relevant. It's called The President is Human. So something really fucking weird just happened, and I feel like the need to acknowledge it to, like, the fan base out there. We just recorded an extra half hour, and it deleted itself. So, like, now we have to go back and reread all of these. So I apologize if they're not nearly as good as we had previously read them that you don't know about because it's now gone to the interwebs. And what's the uh, what's the title of this one again? The President is Human. But I'm only human. And I like to go to war. Philip started the video <laughs> clip as soon as Rose closed the door to the editing bay. Charlie Clark, the newly elected president's head speechwriter, moved on screen. He was familiar to the small group in the soundproof room. He had worked at their news station for three years before taking his current position in November of 2016. He was dressed nicely and spoke eloquently enough, but his hands betrayed his nerves. He kept running fingers through his hair, straightening his tie and sipping water. And unlike the president, I could say whatever I want, Charlie quipped on screen to the laughter of the assembled journalists. <laughs> but seriously, the goal of a speechwriter is not to tell the president just how he feels. We are not in danger of running, ruining the world accidentally. It's to put the president's feelings, the feelings he was elected to have, into the perfect words. Say the president is fuming over a human rights violation. The president is human. He's allowed to be angry. In fact, he's so angry, his commendable diction slips. It's my job to craft a statement that encapsulates the president's anger, is the verbal embodiment of his sense of injustice, so he can deliver that to the world. Philip stopped the video and spoke. As the Secret Service led us away from this conference, one of them passed a paper into my hand. It was a code Charlie, and I used as war correspondents in Afghanistan. It says the phrases made when he touched his tie were false. Philip played those segments. I can say whatever I want. We are not in danger. The president is human. Illuminati confirmed 666. No, I find, like, I'm actually glad we're going back and reading this one again because it makes so much fucking sense now. I didn't get it the first time around. Now I realize, like, I was so sober, I didn't oh. understand the ending. Praise you. So this ending is basically saying, uh, the president is a reptile man from the subterranean. It is Ted Cruz. Oh. All right, guys. I hope I understand this. All right, guys. I just blew out Death's Couch, and I'm ready to tell a story. It's called, I Need to Believe in Jesus. I need to believe in Walter Melon, the king of all of the melons. But what it's actually called is I need to believe in ghosts. This story is called I Need to Believe in Ghosts. And I need to ask Frowns McBoohoo here, do you believe in ghosts? Oh, fuck. That was the conversation. Do you need to believe in ghosts? Do I need to believe in ghosts? Do I don't think to, I need... Do you need do, to or do you? Do I... I don't think I need to, but <laughs> I'll tell you what kind of ghost I do believe in. I believe in Boo, King Boo, the colorful assholes in Pac-Man, always fucking up his shit. Inky, Blinky, Pinky, and Clyde. And Stinky. No, it's Clyde. That's the joke, is that they don't do another rhyme. Okay. 
Stinky. Motherfucker. I need to believe in. <laughs> no, but genuinely, this time around, answer me seriously. Like, do you do you actually believe in ghosts? Do you believe in the supernatural? Like in, like an otherworldly realm of uh, ectoplasmic creatures? I wouldn't necessarily say ectoplasmic creatures, but I do. Um, That's scientifically what they're called. I, uh, I think you need to keep your ectoplasm to yourself and understand the phrase that no means no. Touche. Uh, so I believe in a... Um, in a spiritual realm of sorts, where, um, you know what, uh, if you would have hit me with this conversation about an hour ago, it probably would have been good. Really but, transcendental, right? Yeah, but now, I'm, I, you know, we just lost like 20 minutes of footage and I'm I'm barely hanging on. But what I will say is, uh, ghost brothers out there, we love you. I need to believe in ghosts. Alright, homies, I'm going to drop this on you. The elevator door opened. And I, <laughs> no, you're not doing this again. Just a side note for all you listeners out there. The first time I read this, I did it in like a really bad stoner voice, and we laughed for about five minutes. I hated it, though. Man, I need to believe a ghost, man. The elevator door opened, and I stepped out. The lights were out for some reason. My apartment unit was somewhere further down, near the end. It was a walk I had taken so often every single day without even thinking but never in the dark i began walking eyes turning involuntarily to passing doors then i heard it scraping dragging and a noise that i convinced myself oh so hard was due to an old air conditioner unit starting up until i saw it emerging from the doorway hollow eyes a flayed mask for the face rude fingerless hands reaching forward Rosie O'Donnell. And and this is where I'm going to have to tell you the woman Rosie O'Donnell ate. And oh, so much blood. I had stumbled back two steps, nearly falling over before the reptile brain kicked in and I sprinted for the elevator. Ladies and gentlemen, he has a reptile brain. Reptile brain. <laughs> Behind, I heard it croaking and the scraping dragging itself out. I didn't look back. I punched the elevator door over and over and super fist. Then mercilessly, no, merci- mercifully. You need to make the scrape sound. Scrape. Then mercifully, the doors opened, flashing a ray of light to the hallway. I dashed in, hitting the wall, nearly weeping in relief. Then I realized that I hadn't closed the doors. It was still crawling on inch by inch toward me. I smashed my oversized fist on and prayed. The last thing I saw before the doors closed were its eyes, bloodshot, lidless, staring straight at me. It's been a month. I believe in ghosts now. I believe that there are monsters who haunt this world. I believe that what I saw wasn't human, and I must, must nor the newspaper reports that she had crawled on her stumps, bleeding gallons, dying only inches away from the elevator door. I need to believe in ghosts, man. 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 You and your crackpot theories, man. Man. Next we're going to have fucking ghosts breaking down our door. Man. <coughs> Spark uh. it up.
But, but ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be real here with you. We do not um, do anything illegal in this basement. No, not a single illegal thing is done. And, uh, you know, we are very extremely happy and proud and, uh, of our uh, straight edge uh, behavior. And, uh, straight edge lifestyle. You know what? Straight, straight as a razor's blade that you may use to store cocaine, but we don't. We definitely do not. Absolutely not. Bros before hoes. And hose. Don't know how that's relevant. And hose before blows. This next story is called Stuck at Work. Ah, fuck, it sucks. It's 7.31 p.m. and I'm the last person in the office. But instead of leaving, I'm standing in front of the elevator with a box of paper clips in my hand. Ready to go? Asks Ray. He's keeping the elevator door open for me. Behind him are Megan, Carla, and Marcos all of whom look tired from working so late. The first time this happened, I opened my mouth to say yes, then I suddenly changed my answer as I remembered my resolution to lose a few pounds. Back then I said, thanks, but I'll take the stairs. This time I don't say anything. Suit yourself, Ray says anyway, as if I had spoken. He releases the door, but before it can close, I toss in the box. It lands on the corner and the lid pops off, scattering its contents like a paperclip grenade. Then the door slides shut and I'm alone again. No one in the elevator thought this was weird. In fact, they didn't even notice. I've done this little experiment many, many times, so I'm not surprised they didn't react. I'm also not surprised to look over and see the box of paperclips back on my desk, as if I'd never touched it. My other experiments end the same way. I've blocked the doors, I've shouted and begged, and I've grabbed at Ray's arm, but nothing makes any lasting difference. My coworkers never respond, and everything resets. I always end up alone in the office, at least until the elevator reappears and Ray asks if I'm ready to go. I've gotten tired of experimenting, but there isn't much else to do around here. The phones and radios and fire alarms don't work. All the computers are frozen. I found a cheap romance novel hidden in Megan's bottom drawer, but, but I know how it ends. I ought to. I've only read it 30 times. Even if I actually do take this stairwell, it's like walking into an M.C. Escher print. However many flights I descend or ascend, every door brings me right back here to the 40th floor. Of course, I could always join my co-workers in the elevator. I remember once when I was a kid, I was feeling morbidly curious, so I looked up elevator accidents and found out they were incredibly rare. Elevators are probably the safest method of transportation in the world, since they basically cannot just go crashing to the ground. You're about a thousand times more likely to die on a staircase. But even though I know that, I also know this. Each time the elevator leaves, if I put my ear to the door, I can hear the receding screams of my coworkers echoing back up the shaft. And that's why it's always 7.31 p.m., because I'm supposed to be with them. Looking up from the paperclip box, I see the elevator is returned. Ready to go? Asks Ray. Eventually, I know I'll say yes. See, Ray is an asshole. Ray is a douchere. He just keeps trying to get this poor guy's ass on that elevator, and that elevator is going to fucking die. Theory... Is he like in purgatory and just you know in in denial, or or is this some kind of weird groundhog situation where, you know, the dimensions are just they won't let him survive in any multiverse? It could also be that there is a ungodly creature messing around with him or a spirit. Yeah, you you I, I'd be down for some like Loki mischief. So uh, 
you know, just fucking, just fucking sucks, man. You know, poor, poor, poor guy, just can't get out of that office. You know, maybe he's got a wife at home and some cheerings, and he wants some food. He fuck his wife and sleep. You know, maybe, isn't that what we all want? Isn't that the American dream? Or maybe you know what? Maybe he's gay. Maybe he's fucking right, and he really wants to get home. To maybe fuck he Ray. does want to go home to fuck Ray. But the only reason he's taking the elevators. Not taking the elevators because he doesn't want people to know because he's on the DL. Yeah, fuck, fuck Carla, fuck Megan. They they can't know that Ray is fucking him in the and, elevator. And you know what? You, you just yeah, this is why we all need to love each other. Gonna go on a little rant here. We all gotta love each other. Don't go on a rant. We're running late as <laughs> Oh shit! All right, damn. What did we do differently this time? We just talked a lot more, and I feel like it's relevant. Jeff went to the left. Oh, Jeff went left. I love this story. This and I one, love um, song. Beyonce to the left, to the oh, left, to the left. Everything, and you know that song, like my balls <laughs> to the left. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, but you know what? That song's actually about her vagina. That song, yeah, uh, Jay Z, right? Yeah, because you know what? Because she keeps saying to the left, to the left. Everything you own to the box, to the left. The boxes are snatched, and she just wants that dig a little more to it's the left. Hoo-ha. It's it is the giner, the Pikachu, if you will, the mossy bank for all of you lovers of the first national bank of Mars. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. So Jeff went left. I hope you're ready. Let's fucking blaze. Jeff went left. <laughs> all right. If you're reading this note, I'm sorry. I assumed you're in the same situation as me. That smug bastard dragged you and dumped you in these catacombs with only a candle to find your way out. I don't know how many people he's done this to, but there have probably been a lot. Couldn't spend so much time on it otherwise, would he? He told me that the catacombs are a maze. He set up traps and deadfalls at every turn. But he promised there's one safe way out. If I'm lucky enough to guess the correct path, I'm not lucky. I'm just an art student here on holiday. There's no way I'm getting out alive, but I want someone to know I want revenge. I'm sure you do, too, so let's help each other out. I still have my sketchbook and pencils before each turn. I'm going to leave them behind for the next person, writing down which way I went if I survived to another passageway. I'll come back and leave a page like this one. If I don't, then it's up to the next person to carry on and go the opposite direction. Eventually, if we keep leaving breadcrumbs, one of us will escape, get to the police, and find that bastard. Do it for those who didn't make it. My name is Jeff. I went left here. Reading the note by candlelight, you feel a glimmer of hope until you realize you're reading from the sketchbook itself. Jeff never returned to tear out the page, and you are the first person here since him. You look to the right, where the dark maze awaits. It, the dark maze is uh, the the waiting line for Old Country Buffet. Or the waiting line for your local DMV. That, oh, that's so much better, I'm using that. I'm cutting out my stupid fucking answer. That's great. This was a good one. Yeah, this was uh this was Captain Death and Frowns McBoohoo here what were with you? the uh the second the second episode of Lots of Pasta. Or if you're vegetarian, uh potato pasta. Ass and titties, titties and ass. Ass and titties and titties and ass. Ass and titties, titties and ass. And ass, 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 ass. Bye!
Crack it, move it. 